Describe the impact of the controlled group, affiliated service group, and leased employee rules on tax-advantaged retirement plans. To ensure that employers do not circumvent the coverage requirements by artificially dividing employees into different business entities, Congress established the aggregation rules. There are three sets of rules, control group, affiliated service group, and leased employee rules. Under the control group and affiliated service group rules, if two or more entities are treated as a control group or an affiliated service group, then all the entities are treated as one when testing whether a plan satisfies the minimum coverage and other qualification requirements. With the leased employee rule, any leased employees are counted as employees of the organization that has leased the employees. It is critical to have a basic understanding of these rules since missing an affiliation issue could mean plan disqualification. Now I also want to recognize that these rules are really hard and the financial service professional's role will not be to make legal determinations under these rules. However, the financial professional does need to be able to at least identify a potential affiliation issue and encourage the employer to hire a tax consultant to address the issue. There are three types of control groups. The parent subsidiary, brother sister, and a combination group consisting of both types. The parent subsidiary applies when one company, the parent, owns 80% or more of a subsidiary. In the small plan market, you're more likely to come across brother-sister control groups that involve common ownership by a small group of individuals. A brother-sister control group exists whenever the same five or fewer owners of two or more entities own 80% or more of each entity and more than 50% of each entity when counting only what's called identical ownership. To better understand how this works, let's look at an example. Let's say that Joe, Sally, and Ralph together own 100% of companies X and Y. Since this, these three individuals own 100% of both companies, the 80% test is satisfied. The 80% test is pretty straightforward. However, there is one wrinkle. When looking at the five individuals with the highest ownership interest, you disregard anyone who only has an ownership interest in one of the entities. So our, in our example, let's say a fourth person owned 30% of company X but had no ownership interest in Y. Well, this person would not be counted when looking at our group of common owners, and now we would fail the 80% test, meaning no control group. Now let's look at the 50% identical ownership test. Here, identical ownership is tested by counting each person's ownership interest to the extent that it is identical in each entity. So back to our example, assume that Joe owns 20% of company X and 12% of company Y. Joe's identical ownership interest is 12%. Now we calculate the ownership interest for Sally and Ralph and then add all three of these numbers together. As Sally owns 60% of X and 14% of Y, her identical ownership interest is 14%. Ralph, who owns 20% of X and 74% of Y, has a 20% identical ownership interest. When we add these three ownership interests together, it's only 46%, which is less than 50%. Failing the test means we do not have a control group in this situation. Another complicating factor under the brother-sister rules are the stock attribution rule that applies to stock owned by certain family members. Under these rules, an individual is generally considered owning any interest that the spouse owns. However, there is an exception, meaning no attribution, if the spouses are divorced 
or if a person has no direct ownership interest in the entity owned by the spouse, and two, is not an employee, director, or otherwise involved in the management of the company. With minor children, individuals are always considered owning the interests of their children who are under age 21. Also, children under age 21 are attributed ownership interests of their parents. Now, because of this rule, if a husband and wife each own 100% of their own businesses and they have a child under age 21, the child is deemed to own both of the parents' businesses. Therefore, a control group will exist in this situation even if the spousal exception would otherwise apply. The situation is somewhat different with adult children. We only have attribution for a person who owns more than 50% of an entity. Specifically, a 50% owner is considered owning the interests of adult children as well as the ownership interests of grandchildren, parents, and grandparents. Under the Affiliated Service Group rules, there are three different types of Affiliated Service Groups. One called the Management Services Rule essentially prohibits an executive from establishing a separate entity for pur the purpose of setting up his or her own retirement plan. When a management company primarily provides management services to a single other entity, they are treated as an affiliated service group. Now this rule doesn't require any common ownership between the two entities. The other two rules called A-Org and B-Org affiliation are more complex. Now to begin this conversation, let's discuss an example that illustrates what the affiliated service group rules were intended to stop. Now take 10 lawyers who provide legal services through a partnership. Now let's say that the lawyers want to each set up their own retirement plan and they don't want to cover the secretaries, paralegals, and associates working at the partnership. Now to accomplish this, each partner creates a corporation for his or her own legal services and each partner owns 10% of the law partnership. Now if we analyze this business structure under the control group rules, we determine that there is not enough common ownership to result in a control group. So the AORG and BORG rules were enacted to stop this type of artificial separation. Under both types of affiliation, there are three common elements. First, two or more businesses must work together to provide one service or product to the public. In our example, we have 11 legal entities that all provide one product, that is legal services. Now second, at least one of the organizations must be a services organization, such as a doctor's office, legal services, or an accounting firm. Third, there must be at least some common ownership between the entities. Now, if these conditions exist, an affiliated service group may well exist. Now, let's turn our attention to the third rule, the least employee rules. Under this rule, least employees are treated as if they are employees of the recipient after they have worked full-time, which is defined as 1,500 hours a year, for at least one year. The leasing rules are really intended for the abusive situation in which employers fire employees and then lease them back with the intent of establishing a plan just for the owner. Now remember that the leased employee rule does not actually require that an employer cover leased employees. It only means that they must be counted when determining whether the plan covers enough employees. It's not uncommon for an employer to have a few leased employees as jobs that may have started as temp jobs end up lasting for longer than anyone ever expected. In this case, most employers would not want to cover these leased employees. This won't be a problem if the plan can meet the coverage requirements without them.